This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry Maguire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form and more recently in audio form. And you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round-the-corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature. Stuff that keeps me up at night. Stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Costs a fiver a month or 50 a year. And you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. Noam Chomsky is someone that I came across, I'd say, maybe 10 years ago. And um, I love a lot of what he has to say uh, makes sense to me. Uh, I listen to him a lot on YouTube, uh, lectures and what have you. A bunch of books here that I picked up along the way. Um, and a quote of his, he's an academic, by the way, a linguist and uh, pretty highly renowned uh, globally. And he's been pretty um, vocal on social issues over the last, I don't know, many decades. So th- this quote came my way uh, over the last few weeks. It's popped up a few times. So kind of um, I'm using it as the basis for today's Sunday Letters article. He says, Students who acquire large debts putting themselves through school are unlikely to think about changing society. When you trap people in a system of debt, they can't afford the time to think. Tuition fee increases are a disciplinary technique, and by the time students graduate, they are not only loaded with debt, but have also internalised the disciplinarian culture. This makes them efficient components of the consumer economy. Now, you can say this applies to everyone. Most of the working classes, uh, anyone not working classes is part of the 1% or maybe a fraction of 1% who are incredibly comfortable. Uh, they have their own problems, of course, and the, the anxiety and the stress that comes with uh, staying, uh, maintaining their status. I don't, I'm not sure I'd like that, but um, debt is a significant driver uh, a constraint on our ability to think straight, to think logically, to make decisions not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of society as a whole. So you put hundreds of thousands or millions of people uh, under the constraints, under the weight of debt, either through car loans and mortgages and all this kind of stuff. Um, well, how can they possibly make decisions to the benefit of society, the long-term benefit, the broad long-term benefit for the rest of society, when all they're concerned about is making enough this week or this month in order to pay their bills, pay their mortgage, put food on the table, uh, get clothes for their kids, um, complete their education, whatever it happens to be. We're so preoccupied. And the system, the culture, the society that we've built has uh, created this. We're all part of it. We, we've all contributed towards it. It's not that... Okay, we're born into it. It exists 
and but we perpetuate it. We keep it going. It's almost like we're, we're magpies and we get excited by bright, shiny things. So all uh, corporations need to do is dangle something in front of us and say, you can have this too. Look at all these beautiful people that have these things. You can have them as well. You can have the American dream, so to speak. All you have to do is put your name on your signature on the bottom of this piece of paper and we'll give you the money. And uh, it doesn't really care for the pressure that uh, you've placed yourself, let's face it, and, and that they've placed you. But there needs to be a greater awareness of what this type of drive towards more materialism, consumerism does to human beings, not only in our society and culture right here, but to the cultures of uh, less well-off nations, less well-off in inverted commas, the countries that are raped and pillaged by the likes of us in order to sustain our livelihoods, our ways of living. Um, <clears throat> that's another discussion. So we leave school, we get a job, uh, or we enter college. Either way, we get into debt. We fall foul to uh, all these bright, shiny things. And so we spend the rest of our life paying off debt. If we're lucky enough, we might manage to put a few quid aside to uh, cater for our, our retirement. But mostly, most people uh, will struggle. And the pressure that that brings, the pressure to... Now, thankfully, I, I have not been in the situation, although I was very close to it, where I couldn't pay my mortgage or couldn't pay for food or couldn't you know, uh, get the kids what they needed um, and the basic things that all families need. Um, assuming that is a, a normal family structure. Many families are, are are broken and fragmented and kids are suffering. So the needs there are far more pronounced and, uh, and deeper than the mere need for food and warmth and clothing and all that kind of stuff. You're, gonna, you're looking at deep psychological needs uh, to manage to repair the trauma of childhood and the trauma of life. Um, so that to us, that aside, perhaps um, meeting the right now daily, weekly needs of a family are extremely difficult when you're under pressure, when you can't you can't provide for yourself. Where the job that you qualify for pays you ten quid an hour or eight quid an hour, it's shit. And you could be in business and um, have taken a chance uh, and uh, secured a load of finance that now you can't pay back because the economy has collapsed due to COVID or some other uh, global catastrophe, 2008. Ahem. So the situation is that most of us are indebted to organizations and we struggle to get ahead. We can't think straight. We can't make decisions that benefit beyond our own four walls, benefit society. We can't do that. It's all about give us jobs, uh, build the economy. It's about finance. It's all about money. So what if that was turned on its head? What if the basic people's basic needs were provided for? End of story. Now, I'm going to do a couple of articles, maybe one lengthy article on this. Uh, over the next couple of months, or I might do a couple, depends on the amount of content that it turns up. Um, 
But the suggestion is, uh, along the lines of universal basic income, why not give everyone in society 20 grand a year that will provide for their basic needs? Why not? Why have we got... Why? What is it about our culture that we have attached our so much value, and uh, so not only value but our indeed our humanity to our ability to work? So if you don't work, you don't you almost don't have permission to live. You don't contribute. You well, you're a piece of shit. You know. If you don't work, you don't. You're not entitled to a roof over your head. You're not enti- entitled to good nutrition. You're not entitled to warmth. Uh, your, uh, your, 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 <laughs> the abuses that you put yourself through, um, be it through alcoholism or drug abuse or or some other um, indulgence. It's not an indulgence. What am I talking about? It's a medication. The lower classes, so-called lower classes, the but unemployed classes uh, seem to suffer perpetually the trauma of their way of life and they can't get out of it. So give them the money, give them a chance. Now, I'm going to get onto this uh, subject at length, as I said, but the idea is that you give people money to live, that their basic needs are covered. Well, now they have an opportunity to actually think outside the box, the survival box you know, so what got me on this track was um, this whole idea of running governments running deficits. And I listened to a professor of economics from the States, Stephanie Kelton, and she spoke a few weeks ago on an online thing uh, with Yanis Varoufakis, the former Greek uh, minister for finance at the time of the almost the European Union was about to collapse at the time, 2008. Um, and they were on they were on a talk about uh, a, a new paradigm in terms of how we think about fiscal policy and government. I'm not going to pretend I know economics because I don't, but I'll attempt to try and cover what I do know, which is um, if, if an economy gets into trouble, like many economies across Europe and the United States and the UK, are right now because of COVID, economies have basically collapsed. The old idea was that you uh, restrict spending, you increase taxes, and you squeeze the public for every penny you possibly can until your debts are paid back. This this can put nations into this kind of uh, a continuous cycle of depression. Uh, Argentina was was one country, one case in point. Uh, Greece, I'm not sure they've even recovered from 2008 yet. Ireland have, I think, to a large extent, well, up until up until last year. Um, but this whole idea that uh, you must squeeze then anybody that's left working for every penny, and and that social services and healthcare and all of the services that a society needs to function adequately are cut in order to pay back a, a perceived debt, which is really just, it's really just a figure on a screen. It's its meaningless. Um, that whole idea has been flipped on its head now. And with Stephanie Kelton's book, she writes about 
uh, running a deficit and how it's the responsibility of a government almost to run a deficit, to, to hit a button. Now, you have to be responsible for your own currency, but Europe apparently are doing this now. They're following the United States, this new uh, modern monetary theory of economics, whereby um, a government will create a deficit to such an extent that it can reignite the economy. And then as the economy builds, it starts to recover the money through taxation. It seems very simplistic, and, 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 but it makes a lot of sense. Why should, should a nation suffer for decades in order to re repay, let's say, uh, a loan from the IMF when it could re-inject the money and give the money to people so they can spend? If they're not spending, if they're not fulfilling their, their own basic needs for shelter and food and heat and what have you, how can they possibly begin to innovate and be creative about, you know, developing new businesses or, or, or um, finding ways to earn money or whatever it was to be. Um, it seems crazy. I've been banging on about this a little bit, but I'm going to introduce you now to a little piece from uh, a podcast that Stephanie Kelton spoke on recently, David uh, McWilliams. And um, I hope I can get away with this. I'm not sure if uh, borrowing the audio is allowed, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. So here she is. See what you think. So tell me, look, I mean, lots of people listening will say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we were all told the deficit. I mean, I'm going to talk about Stephanie's book. And by the way, if you haven't read The Deficit Myth, pick it up, read it. It'll make you change. It'll change the way. JM over here, our Canadian producer, never studied economics before, picked it up, read it and said, man, this really makes sense to me. So again, Stephanie's book, Deficit Myth, on the David Mac Williams reading list for all podcasters <laughs> and all podcast listeners. But let's let's get to the core of this. People will say, Stephanie, what is happening to economics? That this idea that the deficit is the problem and we have to cut spending and to balance the books is being put to one side. And Joe Biden is saying, we're going a different way. Explain what's going on in the thinking, in the logic, in the practicalities. Yeah, so Joe Biden has said things that I have not heard really an elected official, whether a congressman or a president, say in my lifetime. You know, he has stood up in speeches before the American public and said things like, the founders gave the federal government the ability to do what state and local governments can't do. They were wise. They gave us the ability to run deficits. And it's kind of like, wow, you're just wrapping your arms around this thing and embracing it, whereas politicians in the past have run from the concept of a deficit. It's supposed to be the thing that you know, is considered irresponsible and, and reckless. It's evidence of overspending and all that. So you are quite right that things are changing in a big way and that deficits are being now seen not as the problem, but as part of the solution to many of the problems that we face. So it is a big difference. Um, I think that in part, we're beginning to recognize that every deficit is good for someone. You know, the Republicans massively increased deficits with their tax cuts at the end of 2017. And why did they do that? Because they understand that deficits are this evil, dangerous thing. No, of course not. They did it because they understand that deficits are good for the person on the other side of the deficit. In other words, a deficit 
is just the government deficit, just the difference between two numbers. That is literally all it is. One of the numbers is how many dollars the government spends into the economy each year. And the other number is how many they subtract back out, mostly through taxation. So a government deficit just means they add more than they subtract. And when they do that, somebody gets a surplus. There is a financial surplus on the other side of every government deficit. So now Democrats are coming around to the recognition that, hey, why should the other guys have all the fun? How come they get to run deficits and produce surpluses for, for their guys? Yeah, for the for the big corporations, for the wealthiest people in this country. What if we were to turn those deficits in a different direction and produce the surpluses for the people who are most hurting in this economy? And that's what this COVID relief package does. This 1.9 trillion aims that bazooka, if you like, and fires those dollars onto the balance sheets, into the accounts of people in this economy, the middle class, the people, the poor, people who have really been struggling and hard hit in this in this pandemic and in the economic fallout. And so they're they're recognizing, hey, this deficit's going to be good for someone. Let's make sure it's good for the right group of people. There's a link to that episode of the Dave, David McWilliams podcast in the show notes. And if you listen to the rest of it, they go on to talk about Europe and how Europe is essentially doing the same without explicitly saying so. Uh, and what that essentially means, apparently, is that Europe or the, the European, European Central Bank are backing the governments of the nations in the EU with regard to whatever they need to spend to, to get their economy through the COVID crisis. So paying for uh, uh, the healthcare, the rollout of the vaccines, uh, the support for businesses and people out of work, et cetera, et cetera. And um, also, I suppose, uh, social projects, whatever is required to get economies moving again. And um, that sounds like a good thing. Now, there's a part of me that can't help but feel a little bit skeptical about, you know, this whole thing. It seems almost too good to be true, you know, because in 2008, 2009, when, uh, when the economy globally collapsed, uh, Spain, Italy, Greece, Ireland as well, were under intense pressure to balance their books and uh, austerity was imposed, budgets were cut, uh, you name it. And the most vulnerable people in our society suffer under those conditions. Um, and that's how it's always been. But this, it, it has apparently been OK to do this. But now it looks like things are changing uh, and maybe that's a good thing. We'll wait and see. I don't know. Um, I don't know if if it's entirely true or if uh, the political uh, influences in Europe uh, have the stomach for it. Um, but all change takes some um, time to get used to. But as I said uh, earlier, I'm going to get talking about um, this universal basic income over the next few weeks. Not sure exactly whether it'll be next week or not. But uh, it's a very attractive idea to me because, as I said earlier, when even an individual or a group of individuals are under intense financial pressure, the ability to think about anything else other than where am I going to get the next pound or the next dollar from um, just doesn't exist. So 
why not give people the ability to cater for their own basic need and give them the space to think, to innovate, be creative. And I think we have this kind of idea uh, around people at the, the the most vulnerable in our society that the ones that don't work or can't work or are on social benefits are bums, you know, and it's all around this concept of value, what it means to be a value, valuable contributing member of society. And that's all goes back to moral and ethical values associated with religion, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I think it's interesting at least to explore this idea of giving people a basic income whereby um, their basic needs are, are met. So I'm going to look into this over the next few weeks. And um, maybe this, uh, if it does ever come into play, if if what we call now, I think it's the, the COVID relief scheme, whatever when, whatever way you, it's termed in your country, uh, that is, is helping people pay for their basic needs at the moment who, who, who are not working, who have been furloughed or whatever. Maybe if we retain that, call it what you like, uh, but perhaps it's something that can help people get off this hamster wheel of 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 debt, you know, where we spend our lives chasing um, pounds and dollars to pay back debt. It really just stops us from living, you know. We'll see. So uh, thanks for listening this week. Uh, I hope I don't get penalised for robbing that section of audio from David Mike Williams. There's a link in today's essay on uh, Substack. The link is in the show notes here if you're listening on iTunes or wherever. And um, do listen to that full episode because it's it's really encouraging that this is actually making mainstream conversations. And uh, not only that, but it's actually policy now in America, uh, this whole idea of running a deficit and for governments that can r- run deficits without it being such a bad thing. And... Um, that's all I've got for you this week. If you liked uh, this week's show or you like listening in general and reading the material that I create, consider becoming a supporter. Get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com to become a subscriber, paid subscriber or free. As a paid subscriber, you will get the midweek uh, shorter read called Anomic. And uh, in that, I share with you a thought that's been on my mind a quote that has caught my attention, a book that I have on my bookshelf and I think you should read, might be worth your while, a music album that uh, I think you should listen to. And I generally dig into the archive and um, offer you something to read from the last year or two. So that's it. Uh, Thanks for listening in. I'll see you next week. Take care of yourselves.